You know, I constantly hear a misconception that faith and reason are at odds with each other, that we should have just blind faith. Is faith blind? That's the question. Is faith blind? Well, it depends on what you mean by that. If, if you mean by that that faith is, with, is irrational and there's no reason behind it, then no. The Bible is very clear that faith and reason are completely woven together. But if you mean by blind faith that there is a God that we can't see and there's an afterlife that we can't see physically with our eyes, then yes, faith is blind. But here's what you've got to understand. Now, whatever your take is, if there's a God or not, if there's an afterlife or not, you're still operating out of faith. It cannot be proven physically with your eyes that there is a God or isn't a God, that there is an afterlife or isn't an afterlife. Both positions are completely faith positions. Faith is the act of believing in something unseen for which we do have good reason. God is constantly giving us reasons that we ought to trust him. In fact, our whole series that we're in called Shadows, the whole series is devoted to here are the reasons why you ought to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Shadows, when you see a shadow, it's proof that there is light. So each week what we're doing is looking at the shadows that prove, the reasons that prove we should have faith in Christ. However, there's no, there's absolutely no way around it. No, how, no matter how many reasons you have to believe, faith always feels like a risk. It's like, have you guys ever been to the high dive, to a high dive? You know, the first time you go there, you're a little kid, you get up to the high dive and you're like, this didn't look that, that bad when I was on the ground. You climb up the ladder and you get, get up to the the diving board and you look down and you're like, oh wow, this is way higher than I thought it was. And so you look back like you're going to get down, but there's a whole line of people behind you. And so you're like, well, that's going to be embarrassing. So I got to make a decision. Am I going to jump? You know, you're at this crossroads. And so you jump and you come up out of the water with this big smile on your face because it's exciting. It's exhilarating and it's like an adventure. And that's what faith is like but it feels like a risk, but you still have to reason it out. You get up to the high dive and you're like, okay, am I going to do this? And you tell yourself, okay, let me go through the reasons. Am I going to die from jumping off this? No, I'm not going to die. Okay, I'm going to do it then. Well, can I get hurt? Uh, only if I do a belly flop. Okay, well, I'm gonna, that's good. Is this, can I look dumb from jumping? Yeah, but you're probably going to look dumber if you go back down the slide. And so you say, okay, I'm going to jump. But you had to reason it out. But it still was a risk. And today, basically what Jesus is doing is bringing us to the high dive and saying, jump. He's bringing us to a crossroads of faith. So we're in John 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. It's up on the screen if you want to follow along with me. This is Jesus bringing us to this crossroads. So here's what it says. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. 
Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, this is, there is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to all who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, and when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled the twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had, not eat, who, who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. Two weeks ago, we saw the remarkable claim of Jesus where he claims to be God come into the world to rescue us. And we said, okay, if Jesus is making these claims, then we have to conclude that he's either a lunatic who thinks he is God but isn't, he's a liar who isn't God but telling people he is, or he really is God himself and we ought to bow to him. And then last week we, said, we saw Jesus say, but listen, don't take my word for it. He said, go to the ultimate proof. And for Jesus, the ultimate proof that he is God who's come into the world to rescue us is the scripture. He says, go to the ultimate proof, the scripture. Well, this week, Jesus is bringing us to a crossroads and he's saying, I've been telling you all the reasons why you ought to have faith in me. Now it's time to make a decision. What will you make of me? So how does Jesus bring his disciples to a crossroads? Here's what he does. He presents a problem to them and then seeks to see where they will go for the solution to the problem. What you put your faith in to solve the problem. That's what he's getting at. So at verse six, it says he did this to test them. Now, what's up with that? Is Jesus this cruel guy going around testing people, being kind of this know-it-all, like he knows everything and he's testing people? No, that's not what he's doing. He's teaching them. He's trying to reveal to them what their faith is really in. He's saying, do you even know what you're trusting in and what you're having faith in. He's saying, you really don't. So he's bringing us into a situation where we have to make a decision about what we are having faith in. He's bringing us to a crossroads of faith. And here's what's, what's going on. The crossroads are revealing to them what their faith is in. So, you know, when you're back in school, you're given a math problem. And it's a problem because you have to find the solution so Jesus is basically giving them a math problem here. There are 5,000 men who need to be fed. 
and it's just 5,000 men, which means there's up to 20,000 people. That number didn't include women and children. So there's up to 20,000 people here, and Jesus is saying, here's the problem. What's the solution going to be? So their faith says, okay, here's what they do. They go to other places for the solution to the problem. One, one of the disciples says, well, we don't have enough money for this. Another disciple says, well, there's this kid with lunch, but, I mean, what's that going to do for this many people? Their faith didn't go to Jesus. It went to other things. The crossroads revealed that they didn't have the kind of faith in Jesus that they thought that they did. Now, when Jesus tests you, it's not the kind of test that you see in school. You know, in school, you're, you're given tests to make sure you've got the right information. Jesus doesn't care about the information. He cares about your formation. He's doing this so that you might be formed more and more into who you were made to be. He's bringing you to the crossroads to challenge you, to reveal where your faith is. And I want you to hear this. Your formation is dependent upon what you are having faith in. The thing that forms you the most is what you have faith in the most. Every single day, Jesus is bringing you to a crossroads, to a trial, to see what you will trust in. Will it be me or something else? And whatever your faith is in, that is what you will become more like. So think of it like this. Think of humans are like living, breathing mirrors. So Jesus has brought us to this crossroads, and down one road is Christ. Now we're a mirror. A mirror reflects whatever it is facing. So if we turn down the road that faces Christ and we're trusting Christ, then we begin to reflect him more as a mirror. If we turn down the other road that leads down to something else that we're trusting in, we begin to reflect that thing that we're trusting in. A mirror becomes what it faces. Human beings become what they have faith in. So the question you've got to figure out is what do you have faith in and what is it shaping you to become? Each crossroads is there not to tempt you, but to reveal to you where you are going. See, Jesus is forcing you to make a decision about him. He's forcing you to think, what is my best choice here at the crossroads? He's forcing you to reason. I want you to think about this pretty seriously. Where do you go for the solution to your problems? What is the first place you go? Whatever that an the answer is, that is what you're having faith in. Even if, you say there's, even if you say there is no God, you still have to deal with the fact that there are problems in your life and you've got to go somewhere for a solution. And wherever you go to for a solution, that is just revealed what your faith is in. So you take suffering, for example. Our world is filled with suffering. The question is, why is there suffering 
And is there any hope for a solution? What Jesus is trying to convince you of is that he is the solution to every single one of your problems. And for some of you, that sounds ridiculous. You say, well, I've got a thorn in my thumb. Does that mean Jesus is the solution to the thorn in my thumb? And I say, on the surface, no. He's not the solution to the thorn in your thumb. But at a deeper level, be honest with yourself. Don't you desire a world that is without thorns? The world that God has created you for has just that. Now, on the surface, yes, yeah, stop being a baby and just take the thorn, the thorn out of your thumb. But at the deeper level, God has made you for a world without thorns, and Jesus is the solution for the problem. Now, some of you do believe Jesus is the solution to every single one of your problems, but you're having such a hard time living like it's true. And so what Jesus is doing is he's bringing you to a crossroads to force you to decide who are you going to trust in? What are you going to trust in? He's helping you believe in him more. He's helping you take the next step in your faith. See, I don't know if you know this, but we tend to be pretty stubborn. And so what Jesus is doing is he's revealing the problem so we'll go pick him and what happens is when we go pick him, we realize that we've been missing him. Usually we don't really miss Jesus. Usually we don't go to him until there's a problem in our life and we're faced with a problem. And then we go, okay, i got to find a solution. And we reason it out. And we say, okay, Jesus is the answer. And we go to him and we say, what have I been doing? I've been ignoring Jesus and I should have been paying attention to him this whole time. I've missed him. I love him and I miss him. And you know what I mean? This happens in any relationship. So it's Mother's Day. Let's take mothers, for example. So sometimes I'll call my mom, and I'll just be talking to her, and she'll say, okay, what's up? What's the problem? And I'm like, ah, oh, she just thinks that I'm calling her only when there's a problem. Now, partly, you know that's true. Like, we rely on our parents when there's problems. But here's what happens. When I go to my mom because there's a problem, now I'm talking to her and I'm realizing, oh, I've missed my mom. We need to get some lunch or something. This is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's revealing a problem so that you will go to him and remember that you love him. Every thorn, mosquito, hangnail is a constant reminder that you are made for a greater world and he's the answer for it. Now, let's be honest. It usually takes us something more than a thorn or a mosquito to drive us to Christ. Usually it requires something more painful. It requires some feeling of guilt, some shame, maybe some fear to convince us that we ought to go to him. What we're doing typically is we make ourselves the solution to the problem instead of him. And so what happens is he allows things to get harder and harder and harder so that we will see this is not working. I've got to go somewhere else. I've got to go to a better solution. He's revealing to us that what we're doing isn't working. 
And for some of you, Jesus has been banging on the door for a long time, wanting to come into your problems. But we're trying to fix them ourselves. I want you to know this. If Jesus wants you, he's going to get you. And that might mean letting your problems become so great that you will finally go to him. So you say, well, why would he do that to me? And then I say, why would you do that to yourself? He's doing this for your good. You're doing it for your harm. He's forcing you to go to him and allowing things to become desperate enough so you'll finally reach out to him in faith. Now, let's be honest about this. Before you go to him, you're not really sure if you're making the right decision. It still feels pretty risky. And here's why. Because you don't know if it's the right decision until after you make the decision. The tension builds and you don't know what to do. And so you're at the crossroads and you become desperate enough to where you finally reach out to him. And when you finally do, you feel this burden gone because now the, the burdens are still there, but he's carrying them now for you. You have peace, but before you get there, at the crossroads, it's absolutely terrifying. You know, you're at the high dive and it seems scary. What does faith feel like? I'm going to tell you what it feels like. It's right here. It feels like Jesus is taking your lunch. So we got this young boy here, and he's got his lunch. He's got five barley loaves. If, you're, if you have barley loaves, it means that you're poor. So we got this young boy here. He doesn't have a lot, but at least he's got his lunch. And then he meets Jesus. And Jesus takes his lunch. It's like, oh, this poor kid. But, but that's not, you got to see what's going on. It was all that he had, but Jesus called him to give it to him. The reason faith is scary is because Jesus wants absolutely every part of you. Everything about you, he wants it. Faith in Jesus is saying, I trust you with my entire life. I trust you with all that I have. All that I have is yours. The, the crossroads is terrifying because Jesus looks like the best solution. He looks like the best option, but it's terrifying because if you bet wrong, you lose it all. He's asking for all of it. He's putting you all in with him. He's forcing you to decide. There's a place where there's this rich young ruler that comes up to Jesus. And he says, listen, he says, he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, here's what you got to do. And the rich young ruler says, I've done it. And Jesus says, well, okay, there's just one more thing. Take all that you have, sell it, give all your money away. And he can't do it. He can't. Jesus calls him to do it and he just seemed to not be able to do it. Jesus wanted all of him. And he tested him to reveal to him 
where his faith really was. And it was in his riches. He couldn't pick Jesus because he wanted his treasures more than he wanted Jesus. His faith was more in his treasures than it was in Jesus. Now the question is, is Jesus going to ask you to do that? Maybe. Maybe not. He will do it with whatever you're holding on to tighter than you're holding on to him. What? Look at your life. It's the area that you're holding on to the most, the area that you're trusting the most. Why does it take people so long to come to faith sometimes? Because Jesus doesn't ask for a bite of your sandwich. He asks for the whole thing when you're starving. He's making you trust that he has something better to offer you than what you have in front of you. And he, he asks for the whole sandwich, and he doesn't ask you for it when you're full. He asks you for it when you're starving. The essence of what Jesus is doing here is saying, trust me with everything in your life, all of it. Jesus wants you to live with the willingness to give up everything for him. Not that he's going to call you to it, but he might. It all depends on how tightly you're holding on to something, trusting in something more than him. The kid knew that the lunch would satisfy his hunger, but he trusted that Jesus had something better to offer him. Maybe you're paralyzed at the crossroads and you've been there for years and you can't make a decision because Jesus is asking you to give up something that you don't want to give up. You're trusting in it more than you're trusting in him. He's saying, there's an area of your life that you're keeping me out of and he's saying, let me in. And you're scared to do it because you know it's going to change that area of your life. Faith has been in a standstill, stagnant for years because you can't seem to let him in. Do you see this? Jesus is not going to let you compartmentalize your life. It can't be like, well, this is my God and church area. This is my family area. This is my friend area. He wants in all of it. Are you keeping him out of your job, out of your love relationships, your friendships, your sex life, your bank account, your material possessions? He wants to be in it all. For some of you, you've been at the crossroads and you haven't initially taken the step of faith because you're scared you're going to lose control of your life and you're right. You will. He's asking you to give him complete control. True faith feels like a gamble. It's like you're holding your heart out to something and you're trusting your heart with something more than anything else. You're saying, here's my heart. Take it. It's yours. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to treat you better than anything else will. Here's the problem. Everything else says the same thing. In our minds, that thing that we're trusting in is going to treat us the best. What is that thing? And the best thing I can tell you is, if you're trying to figure this out, 
The best thing is I, I can tell you is you just got to keep coming and keep listening and keep searching out what are the reasons why I ought to, ought to put my faith in Christ. Some of you right now, you're desperate enough, and you're like, I'm ready. I, I, I don't want control anymore. This isn't working. And for some of you, you're not desperate enough yet. This is my man Joe. Joe's desperate enough. Um, some of you aren't desperate enough. And so faith is going to take some time. But here's what I got to say about it. You've got to spend some time here. You've got to spend some time in Christian community asking questions. You've got to spend some time in the Bible and you've got to spend some time in prayer or else you're not going to really know what you ought to do. I wish it was easier, but it's not. But there's way too much at stake to remain stagnant. And the same is true for the Christian. We so easily forget about Jesus. We think we don't need him until our life becomes desperate, and then we go to him. And it all floods back. This is why. This is why I went to him in the beginning. But, the question still is, how do you know you can trust him? How do you know, like, can I really give him my entire life? And, you know, it's always going to feel like a risk no matter what, but there are, you can look at the reasons why you can trust him. And I'm going to tell you this, if you're really taking an honest look at the reasons, what you're going to find is that you can trust him with your life more than you can trust yourself. So this, this time what he's looking at, he says, it's the week of the Passover. So here's what that means. During the Passover, God took his people and led them out of slavery. He led them through, parted the Red Sea, led them through the Red Sea, and then out into the wilderness where he fed them with bread that came down from heaven. Now what Jesus has just done is he's shown that he has control over food. Next week, we're going to see that he has control over water. What Jesus is claiming here is that he's the God of the Old Testament who has absolute power over all of creation. Saying it's all his, he has created it, he has formed it, and he has control over it. And so here's what we know then. God does have the power to give us the life we've always wanted. Now the question is, can we trust him to do it? Can we trust that he will use his power for our good? Now look at me here. Nobody dies for you and then leaves you out to dry. What we have in Christianity is a God who gives his life for you. That is a God that you can trust. He has the power to give you the life that you've always wanted, and you can see that he loves you enough to die for you, so he's not going to let it go to waste. The question is, how does he do it? How does he give us this? Well, the life that you always wanted, to get to it, You've got to pass through death. It's not here in this world. You've got to pass through death. Now, outside of faith, here's what happens. We enter into death and we get stuck there. We can't get out. We can't escape it. 
So here's what faith in Christ does. When we say we have faith in Christ, it means we're following him. Now, where are we following him? Well, on the cross, he goes and enters into death. And then what we see him do is punch a hole right through death, leading us out into the life that we have always wanted in eternal life. So what that means for us is that through faith, we enter into death and then pass right through it because he has already punched a hole through it. Whatever the crossroads is before you, pick Christ. Whatever your lunch is, whatever the version of your lunch is, it's all that you have. Give it to him. He multiplied it for thousands. What are you holding on to? Why won't you give it to him? That's the real question for all of us. There's tons of reasons to just say it's all yours. I can only persuade you of that, but ultimately, it's your call. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you have made a way for us. God, Faith really is risky. And I don't know that we have what it takes. So I pray that your spirit would come and compel us, convict us, that we ought to trust you more than we trust ourselves. Show us all the reasons why we ought to come running to you and put our faith in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.